Well, it's been a, a great week. We, uh, we all, uh, all kind of rested back and said, you know, let's just get through 2020 and all will be fine. And it started off with the 117th uh, congressional uh, meeting with uh, the, the congressman from Missouri praying a men and a women, acknowledging the monanistic God, uh, and uh, then giving praise to Brahman. So uh, they are off and running. And then we, uh, we got to see the U.S. Capitol breached. Um, I want to say a bit about that. I want to first. I want to kind of set the stage because the media has been quick to point out that the only other time the U.S. Capitol was breached was in 1814. You may remember it was 1812, the the uh, war that we had with Great Britain in 1812. And uh, by the time 1814 came, they had made their way into Washington D.C. They had burned the White House, and then proceeded to burn the Capitol. And it was a miracle of God. Uh, it was so, so unpredicted that a thunderstorm came and put out the entire fire within 24 hours. Otherwise, it would have burned completely to the ground. The leadership at that time were so moved by the hand of God, clearly it's his timing, that they, they called for a day of prayer and fasting and acknowledgement, and both the Senate and the House uh, humbled themselves before God, how far we have fallen from those days. It was also during that 1814 time, you remember the Battle of Baltimore, that uh, Francis Scott Key wrote the Star-Spangled Banner. So I, I just want to remind you that good things can come out of chaotic situations. And you as a believer in Jesus Christ never need to fall back in despair or discouragement or defeat as if somehow God wasn't working in our midst. Now, I don't know about you, but when I watched what was happening there on that breach, I happened to be on a, a Zoom call with uh, the organization that's recalling uh, Gavin Newsom. So that... <laughs> uh, Gavin, if you're in the room, I apologize, but... But I, I got a text and said, have you seen what's going on? And so I've got split screens going on my computer. And on one hand, I'm, I'm over here on the recall. And on the other hand, over here, I'm seeing what's happening. And I don't know about you, but when I watched it, I just said, something doesn't ring true here. That was my first impression. I don't know what's going on here. Um, I mean, the, the, un undoubtedly, the people were as varied as you could possibly get. It looked like a night at the museum. The guy with the bare head and horns um, standing in the Capitol was a little bit alarming. Uh, I'm sure his mother deeply appreciates him. But uh, as I watched it, I said, this doesn't make sense because the crowd looks like it's made up of a lot of different ideologies. It doesn't look like what you would expect from one ideology. And what I mean by that is, I think clearly there were those who were pro-Trump, pro, you know, we've got to stop the steal. There were clearly those who were Antifa. There were clearly those who were wearing um, sunglasses who probably were uh, undercover uh, somehow doing something. But I think we miss the point if we think that it was just about storming the Capitol. Uh, when five computers end up missing, something's going on. I don't know if we'll ever know the end of that. 
but uh, I'm bound and determined to report anything that I find that's legitimate. There's a lot of speculation out there. Uh, it's a, there's enough weird stuff we know that we don't have to speculate too far, amen? Um, one of the things that I, I was shocked by, and, and I was sent probably three or four clips like this one, I'm gonna show this clip, and this was uh, the supposedly breach of the Capitol but it looks like a little bit different scene than I would imagine. So let's see if we can roll that uh, short clip. It doesn't look like a major breach. It looks like the police are opening the door. I don't know about you, but that just is suspicious. I'll say more about that in, in the days coming when we get more information, but... I want to take you back to a British man by the name of John Locke. John Locke was a philosopher, and much of what he wrote became foundational for what we have in our, the founding documents of, of, of America. He said this, where the body of people is deprived of their right and have no appeal on earth, then they have a liberty to appeal to heaven. Where there lies no appeal on earth, they have a just cause to make an appeal to heaven. Where there is no justice on earth to decide controversies among men, God in heaven is judge. He alone, it is true, is judge of the right. So in this, he should appeal to the supreme judge. That phrase, an appeal to heaven, became uh, a resonant call to action among America. In 1691, it was the British who claimed uh, the pine trees of the Northeast, the East Coast. And they said that this is our, these are our trees. We need them for ships. We need them to be built. And so they claimed uh, authority over them. By the time you got to 1772, uh, the settlers in America said, it's not fair for you to take the best uh, and then eventually to use it against us. And so they revolted in what was called the Pine Tree Riot. It was two years before the Boston Tea Party. It was what instigated the revolution. And so moved by that was George Washington asked that a flag be made, and that flag would have a pine tree on it to remind people of the ownership of what we have as a people. Washington also commissioned that flag to be flown on the battleships that they had at that time. And so it was an important piece of American history. In fact, it was even contemplated that it might be our national flag because it reminded us of what was important, that we have to appeal to heaven and that you can't take the rights away from a people. What we see today is nothing less than what we would expect out of communist China when we see people being censored, primarily conservatives, on Twitter, Parler being removed from the App Store by Apple so that there can't be an alternative that's easy and fast to obtain. When we begin to see that there's a total disregard for 75 million people who voted one way, I promise you this. This will not go away easily. There is a spirit in the American soul 
that wants to stand up when the star-spangled banner is sung, that wants to put his or her hand on their heart and pledge allegiance to a nation and to a people who've paid such a dear and high price over the hundreds of years of history that we have. Patrick Henry said this in 1775, an appeal to arms to the God of hosts is all that is left to us. We shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations. If you've never studied the faith of Patrick Henry, then you've never really understood the depth of this man's theological understanding and how he believed so much in the return of Christ and how he believed so much in rights of mankind that he not only did what he did, and we recognize him for uh, those, those things, but he was more than that. He was a man of God. I was reading in J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, and lest you think that's not a Christian, that was actually, he and C.S. Lewis and Chesterton would spend time in the local pub in Oxford, and they would talk about how they could sneak God into literature. They knew that if it was too obvious, no one would read it, and so they decided they would sneak God in, and the writings of all three of those men became paramount to the understanding of theology from a, from a literature standpoint that we get sucked into without even knowing it. I like to call it Jehovah Sneaky. But in The Lord of the Reigns, there is a couple of quotes I want to bring to your mind. There's some good in this world, and it's worth fighting for. It's easy for you to give up. It's easy for you to say, what are we going to do when things don't go the way that you think they should go? And I don't talk about the election. I mean the spirit that loves God, that honors people, that respects mankind. That's the good we fight for. Politicians, politicians will come and go, but we the people remain. We have to stay strong and understand what it's all about. Further in Lord of the Reigns, it says, a day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship, but it is not this day. An hour of woe and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down, but it is not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you to stand, men of the West. It's an interesting phrase that it closes with, men of the West, because it is Western civilization that is under attack. We can attribute Western civilization to things like the freedom of slavery, to the rights of women. We could go on and on and on. It is Western civilization that has brought us order out of chaos and disorder. And we, when we begin to see things like uh, recently, I read an article that the writings of Homer were going to be removed from the literature uh, assigned at Yale University because somehow that probably was not good. Homer was probably not, would not fit into our present culture. When you begin to see the elimination of literature and books, you begin to understand what Adolf Hitler did when he came to power. He said, I have to remove the brightest among me, first of all, and he did that very effectively. I have to remove their ability to understand history. He did that very effectively by burning books in the streets. And we begin to see that history does repeat itself. 
But the good news is, if you know some history, you can also stand in the gap of what's happening in your world. And when we begin to see people rise up, and I really encourage you to be involved on every level, and what I mean by that is be involved in your local school. It will be local politics that will win the day, ultimately. It will not be who's president. I promise you, you're more gonna be more affected by local politics than you ever will by national. And so getting involved and showing up and lifting up your voice, it is part of Christian duty to do those things, and I hope that you will do that. Out of this, uh, out of this quagmire of challenges that we face in America, we launched AmericanFaith.com. And as we launched it, we began to think that we began to realize that, that we wanted to do more than just make a statement. We wanted to educate, we wanted to equip people, and we wanted to find ways to advance the cause of Christ through our nation. I remind you that if our nation is not free, then you are not free to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You cannot, you cannot just fall back into some kind of a Christian subculture and think all will be well. Look at Indonesia and you'll see the result of what happens when Christians fail to stand strong in the midst of a storm, the most Muslim country on planet Earth, where Christians have to fight every day. Right now in parts of Africa, there are more people being crucified, that is, they're crucifying Christians, the Muslims are, for their faith. That's happening today. Do not think that you're exempt because you're an American from what will come in the days ahead. That's why we have to stand. But as I began to think about the message for today and what we need, I wanna talk about first our desire. And I think that you're going to find the desire I'm going to talk about, you're going to resonate with as a believer. In Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 11, the Bible says, the Lord will continually satisfy your soul in drought. Are you feeling a little drought right now? Feel a little empty, a little worn out, a little tired? Well, look at the promise here. It doesn't say good news in the media will satisfy your soul. It says the Lord will continually, like an artesian well welling up inside of you, he's going to continually satisfy, look at this, satisfy your soul and strengthen your bones. It's interesting that it uses that phrase, soul and then bones, because the idea is your bones, your skeletal system is what causes you to stand upright and be strong in the midst of a storm. And you should be like a watered garden. Can you just imagine that picture now? There's a garden and it's being watered continually and everything is thriving there and you will be like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on that law does he meditate both day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by streams of living water that yields its fruit in all of its seasons. In all that he does, listen to this, in all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so. But they shall be like chaff that the wind blows away. I grew up uh, some of my summers on my granddad's farm, and he would take me out, and he'd put, pull some wheat, and he'd begin to rub his hands together and create the friction and the heat 
and it was all done, the seed would remain, and then he would take his hand, he would just blow at his hand, and all the chaff would go away, and the grain would remain. Let me tell you something. There's coming a day when God is going to put the wheat in the hand of the Lord. And the heat and the friction is going to separate the wheat from the chaff, and then with his strong, strong, mighty hand, he will blow away the chaff, and all remain are the wheat. So important that you understand what wheat is, that you are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. In this portion of Scripture, he promises divine guidance. What do I need? What am I going to do? Have you ever asked that question? You've certainly asked it over this season that we've been in, haven't you? What do I do? If you will ask that question sincerely and then listen, See, sometimes we're so prone to talk during prayer that God can't speak. God says, I'd love to answer your question. Could you be quiet for a moment? You know, it's like your child when they're so excited about going somewhere. That was in ancient history. Now we just stay home. But when your child asking, you know, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And, you know, I want to answer you, but you need to listen. No. And we always used to just tell our kids, it's like five hours away, even if it was 20 minutes. You know, it's kind of like uh, when, a, when your wife is pregnant and the doctor tells them, I think you're going to be early. It's the worst news a woman can ever get because then they live their life. Oh, it's coming early, coming early. I think, doctor, it's going to be a month late. Then when it comes early, they go, oh, my gosh, it was early. Look at what a blessing this is. Mental and emotional health. You see, your mental and emotional health is a key ingredient in your spiritual walk. If you're not thinking right and if your emotions are out of whack, you're not going to understand what God is doing in your life. All of these balanced things have to happen, and your physical well-being as well. You need to be doing the right things to keep yourself healthy. Dr. Herbert Benson, MD at uh, one of the departments of Harvard Medical School said this, negative thinking leads to stress, hmm. which affects our body's natural healing capacities. A study by the American Medical Association found that stress is a factor in 75% of all illnesses and diseases that people suffer from today. You can get healthier just by removing stress. Well, how do I do that? Well, Philippians says, have no anxiety about anything. Well, that's easily said than done, right? But it says, but here's a solution. But by prayer, with supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, and finally, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are are pure, worthy of praise. He says, think on these things. You have, to, you have to take your mind and shift to things that are good and lovely and honorable because you can get consumed by looking over here. You just look, well, everything is wrong. Look what's going wrong. Everything is bad. Hey, you know, if I stand in the mirror long enough, I find a lot wrong with me. That's why I'm quick. <laughs> Amen. Take a quick look and get out of there because the Bible says, you know, the man who looks in the mirror, once he leaves it, he forgets what he looks like. That way I can live my whole day thinking I look pretty good. <laughs> Let me take you to another part of this. Not just our desire, but our destiny. You see, God has a destiny for you. 
God has a plan for you. In Isaiah 58 and verse 12, it says, those among you shall build the old waste places. Now, did you notice it says those among you? It's, it's pointing responsibility back to you and I. What do we do? Well, there's some places in society, in our family, in our life, in our job, wherever it is, there's some places that have become waste places. That is, they don't thrive anymore. God says it's, it's your responsibility to rebuild. You're to be a builder, to rebuild these old waste places and then raise up the foundations of many generations. You see, our job is also generational. It's not just about us. It's about our children's children and our children's children. We, we have to prepare the world the best we can for, for great-grandchildren that we may never meet. You see what I'm saying? That's our job. Well, what if the Lord comes back? Then that's fine, but we never fall back into, well, the Lord's coming back, so what's the use? That's not a biblical perspective. Biblical perspective is do the best you can to make society the best you can, to honor God, love mankind, and do the things that make for goodness in the world. And then it says if you do those things, look what it says, and you should be called the repairer of the breach. And we heard about a breach in D.C. You know the breach, the real breach is not at the Capitol, the real breach is spiritual. Do you know that you can, you can shore up and, and fix the breach in society and in your own life? You shall be a repair of the streets to dwell in. See, how about the streets? There's a lot of streets that aren't safe to walk on. God says, that's your job. That's your job. I mean, I don't know about you, but I take the time whenever we see uh, police uh, when we pull up next to them, I roll my window down, and they all look a little nervous anymore because they should. I said, hey, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. Take the time to thank those who help bring order to our society. Keep the, the numbers of those significant politicians in our state and in our city in your phone and just call and leave a message. You say, well, they never call me back. Don't worry about it. Just keep calling. We're going to show you some things, how, what you can do in a couple of weeks, just to kind of annoy them to death. I want to show you a little clip, because children are so important, and I want you to know that it's, it's important for us to rebuild our heritage, to raise up generations that stand for God, that speak the Word of God. You know, on Wednesday night, there's a discipleship Bible class that goes on, and kids are learning the Word of God every week. In fact, it's grown so much that now starting uh, in this next session, we're going to be dividing it and going across street with the older kids and younger kids over here because there's that much demand for kids on Wednesday night to learn the Word of God. Amen? We're going to repair the breach. We're going we're to begin to pour into kids so that they understand the Word of God. Don't be surprised, parents, if your kids come home and they know more about the Bible than you do. Amen? Hey, the Bible says a little child shall lead them, amen? Nothing wrong with that. Restore the streets. I want my streets safe for kids to play on, amen? I want to be able to send them down the street, my granddaughter and my grandsons, and, and feel like they're safe and it's okay. Well, that's our job, but then I want you to see our delight. There's a delight that happens when you're in the presence of God, Amen? You know, when I look out and I see you sing and raise your hands and clap, and some of you even try to dance. 
It's all right. Trying is good. Isaiah 58 and verse 13 says this. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable. And notice he ties all this in with what we've been saying. This is a continuous section in Scripture. And he says you need to keep one in seven holy. You need to honor the Lord on his day. We as believers honor God on the Lord's day because it was the day that Christ was raised from the dead, the first day of the week. And it says, if you will do that, if you will not do your pleasure, but rather sacrifice your pleasure on my holy day. Now, you know, the term holiday came from the word holy day, and it was a secularization of the idea of a holy day. Do you know this day is a holy day? It's not just Sunday. It's a holy day. It's a special day. It's a day it says, honor the Lord. And you shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. I don't know about you, but I look around and I see those of you who are here today, or, or maybe you're outside, or maybe you're watching online, but when I, when I see your face, I know that you're delighting in the Lord. There's something good about when people are together in the Lord, amen? There's something that just warms, we are made for this. And it, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises. When we praise, guess what? God says, I feel at home there. I'd like to show up at your place. I'd like to show up at your family. I'd like to show up at your church. I inhabit the praises of my people. And then he goes on to say this, when you do that, I will cause you to ride on the hills of the earth. Now, see, that was a really important thing in that day because if you got down in the valleys, there were always the danger from thieves and robbers, from assault. But if you got up on the hill, you could see the enemy coming. God says, I'm gonna put you up on the hill so you're gonna see the enemy coming. You're not gonna fall prey to the enemy when he comes up against you like a storm. I want you to know that you're going to win and not lose. I want you to know that I'm on your side. I'm gonna cause you to ride upon the hills of the earth and I'm gonna feed you. I'm gonna feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. Jacob was, remember, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel, a prince with God. The heritage of Jacob is princely uh, authority. God says, I'm gonna give you the authority of a prince or a princess. How many of you feel like a prince today? Some of you need a kiss. You're just a frog right now, amen? <laughs> How about a princess? How many of you feel like a princess? couple of you. You need to tell yourself once in a while, I'm royalty. I'm part of the family of God. My heritage is sealed by the blood of the Lamb of God. I have royal blood flowing through my system. God loves me. And it says, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In other words, this settles it. When God speaks, it settles it. I want you to know the church of Jesus Christ is not powerless against the enemy and the great evil that he promotes. On the contrary, the church has been entrusted with power and authority from on high. Paul Bilheimer said, the only force in the world that is contesting Satan's total rule in human affairs is the church of the living God. If there were nothing to hinder him, Satan would make a hell out of this world here and now. The only saving and healing virtue in the howling deserts of human life flows from the cross of Calvary. Amen? Is this challenge great? Indeed it is. But remember that God intends for us to be warriors. Have you thought about yourself being a warrior in the kingdom? 
Why do you think he gave you spiritual armor? Because you're a warrior in the kingdom. In the fiercest battle known to mankind is this spiritual battle that we're engaged in. More than a flesh and blood conflict, this is a battle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12. This is not a time to grow weary or time to let down your guard. This is a time for conquest and victory. It is a time to lift up the banner of the Lord, proclaim the powerful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Oh, a day may come when the courage of men fails, but when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship, but it is not today. Can you say amen? Amen. An hour of woe and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down, but it is not today. Can you say amen? amen? This day we fight by all that is in you and holds dear to the good earth. I bid you stand, stand. Would you stand with me right now? There is no standing you can do that's going to endure the storms of life except that stand you take for Jesus Christ. The bare minimum is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's 101. You have to go on from there. But if you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ so as to be saved, I want to ask you right now to call upon his name. Right where you stand or sit, you can call on his name and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me. I believe that you want to save me, that you died on the cross for me, and I, and I believe you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. If that's your faith, make that your confession of faith right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died. I believe you rose from the dead to give me eternal life, and I receive you right now as my Lord and my Savior. If that's your prayer and that was your request, then just thank him in your own words. And then determine if that, you said, I've done that, Pastor, what do I do now? Now go deeper, stand stronger, be willing to be in the fight that God has given you. See, we're missional people. We're not on earth just to, to, to live, you know, X number of years and then retire and then die. No, we're, we're here as mission, on a mission to transform the world, to bring the glory of God to mankind, Amen to give God the glory in everything we do, to give God the praise, to stand in the midst of the storm, to have something that explains our life besides just life. It's a life of God flowing through you and in you. Amen? Amen.